go ahead. Have some fun. And we're back. And we're back. Welcome, episode two. Episode two. <laughs> we thank you all for listening to episode one. It was fantastic. The responses that we got. Uh, so we're recording this. We're recording this about what, four days after we posted episode mm. one. So it's still fresh in our minds, and we've got a few new topics today. Well, mainly one topic, but I think we're going to branch out a little bit. And so you can go ahead and introduce what that is. Yeah. So I think being episode two now, we've sort of passed that milestone of actually posting episode one because we could we could we could have sat on episode one and calling it a practice for forever yeah. really yeah we really just sort of but... afraid to actually post it online so i think we've we've taken the courage and we've posted it put those raw thoughts on the internet for people to judge and we just want to talk about that whole idea of the fear of failing versus the fear of public opinion and I think that kind of directly correlates to how we were kind of feeling, I think, in that, you know, po- posting something, there's going to be people judging you and the differences between saying something online and saying something in person, I think, is real. Exactly. Uh, so we'll highlight that today as well and kind of talk about either our personal experience with it or just talk about it in general, I think, is a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Because I think neither of us were afraid of failing you can't really fail no. a conversation no, it's more like no. i think it was just the the fear of what people will think of that conversation exactly so and you know i was glad that we got really good responses uh and obviously a lot of requests to be guests as well but mm. we are going to upgrade our setup so that we can have yeah, more get people here three mics first yeah, otherwise we've, we've got one currently so we need we need another two uh but other than that, uh, we got some lighting as well. So if anyone is watching on the video, hopefully you can see us better and we look more beautiful than ever. <laughs> um, uh, so first of all, we'll get into, I think, posting to the internet was a big topic of discussion that we had before we even started the podcast mm. uh, in terms of what opportunities posting to the internet can bring and the differences between posting to the internet and actually you know, but- talking... Posting to the internet under your under your name, not yes. like a fake alias. Yeah, yeah. not ghostwriting or yeah. anything like that. I think not like being a keyboard warrior, actually taking <laughs> you know responsibility for what you're posting, putting, yeah, yeah. having your name behind it. That's that's why we have the camera to yep. take full ownership of what we're posting. We're not cowards. <laughs> we're not faking. We're not faking anything. We're not hiding anything. No, so, no. This is um, yeah. You know, it's real. We're, we're having discussions. Um, and I think it's fear of failing and then the fear of public judgment and criticism that kind of... We thought we thought we would talk about today just because it's, it's very... It has a lot of depth to it. I think we can kind of bring some... Because I think, I think you were trying to sort of say that it goes hand in hand. Yes. But I... Right, I was missing the term. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but that kind of... That kind of thing. I think even as it's just a basic, simple anecdote for myself, um, basketball. Like when I played basketball at the primary school, I play pretty much every night and occasionally from time to time, there'll be no one else. And it's those times where I'm really not afraid to miss 100% of my shots. Yeah. Because I know that there's ultimately... A joke, there's a joke there, but I won't try to go. I know ultimately <laughs> that I need to miss those shots to improve. Yeah. But like immediately, as soon as there's somebody else there, I don't know if it's just me, but in the back of my head, there's just the thought of if I miss, they're going to 
judge me for yeah, notice you not being good at basketball, which you know exactly. I'm trying to get better, right? You know, people and, are you're kind of shaping people's opinions of you when you fail. I think. And I think that's what people are very scared of in terms of fear of failing. And the internet has just like brought the public, you know, on eye. steroids. Yeah, public eye. That's probably what people are most afraid of. But you think probably an example for me is I've got two actually. Although I think you could probably relate to one of them because you said that public speaking is like massive. Like it's probably one of the biggest stages that you can actually fail on. Uh, Especially. And, oh, keep going. Oh, and I just thought that. You know that a lot of people fear death more than public speaking, which to me is really strange. Like I definitely fear death more than probably anything else, and I think that getting onto sidestepping a little bit from that, I think that fearing death is because people are fearing that they haven't done enough with their life, and that that may sound really really deep. Um, yeah, but no, no, I see where you're coming from. But it's it's like, have I done enough in my life? Like, am I happy with the way that things have gone? You know, have I done everything that I wanted to do? Like, obviously, you know, people our age, we've got so much more stuff to do than, you know, what we what we think we have to do even. Like, there's mm. so much stuff that's going to come out of nowhere and you're going to be like, oh, cool. Like, I didn't know I could do this or, you know, I haven't seen the opportunities that have been presented to me. Um, but, yeah, sorry, I did inter- I did interrupt you, so you can you can continue. Oh, no, it's okay. I I lost my train of thought. I was, I was going, <laughs> so I was I just, going with the flow. To be I kind of just, I kind of just talk for a while, and you know, I think that the, the public public speaking, like I, I'm perfectly fine with public speaking. I think that there is that case of if you do fail, there's a lot of people that are just staring at you, and I think it's all the eyes looking at you that it's like, oh, this is really scary. Like, I think people are just more. I don't think in terms of public speaking, I think it's not so much people being scared of talking to people. I think talking to people is quite easy, but actually talking on a level that either people understand you or that they agree with you is difficult. Um, And with a podcast, I think that's kind of something that we have to be wary of, but at the same time, we're voicing our own opinions. And it's the not worrying about what other people think. It's more so uh, voicing our thoughts and ideas to a bunch of people that we have either met or never met before and not really expecting anything. But I think just in doing so that we're going to talk to the people who sort of, you know, relate to us the most because the internet is full of people, right? Like 7 billion or I don't know, six, five, not everyone's connected, but there's a large portion of people who are connected. It's like closer to eight now. Eight. I think so. Yeah. A lot of people. And the idea is we're not going to be able to talk to everyone and we're not going to be able to agree with everybody so we, there don't, are people we who are sometimes listen- don't even agree with each other so no, no, exactly yeah. and there's gonna be people who are gonna listen and be upset at what we say because it doesn't align with their beliefs but we're not talking to those people no we're talking to you know likely and the people who agree with us our homies our we're homies talking, we're talking to the ones that matter and <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah we're just we're not trying to talk to everybody because that way we're talking to nobody. So, but whoever whoever listens in, we're grateful because obviously, you know, we we are working hard at this. We're, you know, we're but in saying that if you're if you're willing to listen to a new perspective and not use like let your beliefs uh, sort of anger you when you're listening to this, and you're willing cloud to your just ju- cloud your judgment, yeah, a little bit. accept some new opinions for the next sixty minutes, then you're more than welcome to listen you know just yeah. don't don't be too triggered please 
Yeah. Well, that, that's another topic yeah, we're not, separately. We're not getting into that. No. No. I, PC culture. <laughs> not not today. Not today. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, you were going to talk about entrepreneurship as well because yeah. obviously my man here is a entrepreneur. I'm, and he's yeah, got a bit entrepreneurial of, minded. Yes, we've got a bit of, you've got a bit of experience. Not we have, you've got a bit of experience. Mm. Uh, and I thought you were going to talk about how, you know, fear of failing. Well, you can't, I think as an entrepreneur, don't get me wrong. I think, you know, I don't think you can be afraid of failing as an entrepreneur because you have to, you kind of have to expect you be to fail. With it. You yeah. have to expect to fail because that's how you actually grow. And that's, again, that's another completely different topic. Like I think people fear failing, but it's the only way you actually learn. And you know, in the jobs, I fail all the time at work. I'm sure you do as well. Like oh, there's, there's things that you do, and you're, times. you the things that you do, and you're like, oh, okay, I got to remember that I don't do that for next time. And then I think people will get into their heads like, oh, I was just really tired. Like I wasn't paying attention. That's why I failed. But it's like I think if you get enough, <clears throat> if you do something enough times, you're not going to fail again. And I think that you know, it's all practice makes perfect as well. Yeah. And that your fear of public judgment. And criticism is kind of a bit void when you actually either enjoy what you're doing or you've failed enough times to remember that it's okay to fail. Mm -hmm. And like, even just talking about that point of fearing missing out on life after you die or like before you die, everyone who, everyone in like, who's coming up to that stage of death, they always tell you that it's the, the things that they didn't do that they regret the most. Yep. And a lot of the time that just purely comes from fear. Like this is something what we've wanted to do for a year, podcasting. Very long and, and annoying process of and I think where do we get to do it? <laughs> a big portion of it because we knew that these conversations were a bit a bit unique, a bit odd. Yeah. A bit outside the I um, think this I think this conversation conversation socially is quite acceptable. And I think that, you know, whatever deems a conversation acceptable for me is gonna be completely different to what other people think of a conversation. Uh, which is completely normal, obviously. That's the whole part of like public judgment and whether or not you want to do something or not just because you think you're going to get judged by it. Exactly. Uh, but I think we would regret this more if we didn't do it, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, like, this, is, this is something that, again, I think the main message here is that we had feared failing, or not mm. feared failing, we'd feared judgment. I think you couldn't really fail talking, as you said. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it was more so that we, we feared... I wouldn't even say fear is the right word, but we were afraid of judgment. And I think that that's kind of what put us... The same fear word, yes. <laughs> there the, the same word, don't get me started, okay. I've explained the differences, but I can't be bothered. There's, there's a certain element to podcasting in that you can't really fail what you say, but you can be judged for what you say. But with our audiences, obviously, we understand that there are going to be differences of opinion. And, you know, we got some... I am running the Instagram account and I did get some great tips. Uh, and obviously, as I said before, uh, guests that want, would be interested in coming on. Uh, so, hey, look, we did something right the first time. Uh, and obviously, if we keep talking the way that we're talking, you know, there's, there's, there's more there's opportunities progress. for us. There's yeah, progress, exactly. Because exactly. I think while this is a bit of a creative project at the moment, you know, I think both of us would be happy to to take this, you know, into something bigger than it is. Yeah, absolutely. We, if, we'd it, both... if it ever got to that stage. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, but, but for now, this is more of like a, I think we, we're honestly, we're filming every single what, Saturday? Yeah. Every, every Saturday, we just catch up and talk. Just for fun. 
And it's basically, if we weren't recording, we'd just be talking probably the same again. So this is more of a listening into our kind of conversations and understanding what's going on. Um, but it's, it's very similar to entrepreneurship in that you have to create your own opportunities, right? Yeah. Like we, we want this to be something bigger. Like we, we'd enjoy that. Of but course. like without actually taking that, creating the opportunity for ourselves and posting on the internet, yeah. we'd have no chance, right? Oh, it would just no. be a conversation that we had and that you know no one else is going to be be able to listen to but this way people were able to listen to it and it might catch on it may not yeah um but the only thing is we've given ourselves the opportunity for it to catch on yeah and even with like the internet has brought opportunities to everybody um Mm. and uh, like sort of tying this in with entrepreneurship everybody sort of has a passion um, if it's drawing, if it's cats, co- cats, cats is a big one. Cats, they're awesome. I'm sort of getting this topic actually from the uh, Netflix documentary on um, meme cats and how people actually created cat influences and yeah. like they made a job from their own cat. Yep. And but it's that whole idea of they could have feared posting that on the internet and being judged for I don't know for the cat. In this sense, it's kind of easy because you sort of masking it through a cat yeah yeah but like if they didn't initially post their cat onto it to the internet they would never they would never have the chance to you know make a job from it you have to take risks in order to get rewards and in in saying that the risks are the fear of people judging you negatively yes and as we said people are going to judge us negatively people are afraid of it because everybody perceives things differently yeah so you sort of have to understand that when you're posting something you're not going to please everybody. We know we're not going to please everybody. No. And I think that's not. even similar to public speaking. Because one thing that I found interesting was how similar this feels to public speaking. Yes. Like, despite being two of us in the room, yeah. we we're know, still getting that, like... But we know we're also talking to other people. Yeah. Because I think it's basically, we're sitting in chairs talking to each other, but we then also know that people are listening to us talk. Um, and so, while I was actually listening to... Uh, us speak just then I was thinking of another way that I could put uh, well another way that I could say about why people are kind of afraid of failing and I think where that all stems from is probably high school I mean you know people are so concerned with ATARs in high school and they I still uh, under the opinion that they really do not matter at all but hey uh, I think putting people are afraid to put their hand up in class because you know if a teacher asks a question like oh, what is this equal? And you get it wrong. You know, there's that, there's that, I think there's that stereotype that you kind of have to laugh at the person that gets it wrong. Like that's, that's something that's indebted in high school. Like, oh, this person doesn't know the answer to that question. They said the opposite of what the answer should have been. You know, they were wrong. They weren't wrong. They failed. Well, mm-hmm. they were wrong. <laughs> that's what, that's what failing means. But if but they learned, right? Exactly. They, learned they now that. know the right answer. Exactly. And the thing is because they failed, I, I guarantee you that they're the only one in that class who is going to remember the answer yep. more than anybody else yep. because it is just sort of strengthened and reinforced that answer into them oh, because absolutely. they failed. Yeah, exactly. I and think they, that, you know, I've had my own experiences with that in high school. I'm certain you have as well, where you've put your hand up and you're like, oh yeah, I've got this answer. Like you just, hell yeah, miss or sir, whatever. <laughs> what do you call your teacher? It. It. <laughs> You know that St. Peter's actually, side, sidebar, you know that they actually, Christian told me this, 
you're not allowed to say sir and miss anymore. Yeah. You have to call them by their name, like Miss, you know, Chackman. You can't just say Miss. Really? You could, He actually got penalized for saying it. Like What? They're actually, that's how PC it's getting. Like, that's not even a pronoun you can use anymore. PC. Pretty correct. All like. <laughs> well, you, they're just trying to control you. No, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I knew what but PC meant. I was did like, you, know you can't use that anymore. Has Alicia told you that? No. Why would, crazy she tell me, why would she tell me that? Oh, because it's something that needs to be talked about. <laughs> I think she's probably as professional as I am when I'm addressing people. So, oh, okay. Hey. I was always a big miss or sir kind of guy. <laughs> I usually, I, I called, uh, I'd call all misses, I would call by their last names, obviously, for teachers, but all male teachers, I'd just call sir. You know, they'd accept it. I don't understand. This is confusing mm. to me. I'm, I'm, I'm just out of surprised there was a, like, there was an issue that had to be brought, and it's an issue that's actually penalized with like detentions now. Like you can For actually saying sir or miss. Yes. What about madame? I'm sure that comes or out madam. the same thing. I don't know. Or gentleman. Gentleman. <laughs> I already told Chris he needs to come up with his own pronoun and enforce it on teachers. <laughs> That's a great idea. Well, that's just that's, that's just me being facetious. No, no, that's that's really good. I enjoy that. Yeah, but yeah, back to the on the topic of high school. I do agree that even I sort of put my hand down or didn't put my hand up just out of fear of failing, uh, because you know, as soon as you put your hand up, you're putting yourself in the limelight to be judged, and I think everybody just. Doesn't want to be in that light because, and I think some like strange crippling nervousness comes over you, and you know that you can like it just messes you up even if no, you weren't going to yeah. be messed up. And, and that's why I don't like public speaking because even though I can speak publicly, yeah, the fear of it doesn't allow me to do it. Yeah, you're like so it's like I'm going to mess up at some point. I'm going to say something incorrect. To do good of public speaking, you kind of have to overcome that fear of it. Otherwise, it's like a perpetual cycle of you fear it it makes yeah. you worse which makes you fear it more yeah. so until you overcome or like one of those barriers you either get really good at it or you just stop fearing it you're not gonna turn that into a positive and become better at it like genuinely i think like i, I personally think i'm great at public speaking and you know i i said before i feel death way more than i fear public speaking. But i think that's because but... you're very confident well, um, that sort of created that positive side. I think I'm, I'm very used to talking, as a lot of people listening would know, that I do enjoy to talk a lot, and I often go on rants, especially if it's about, like, science or something that I very much care about. Uh, and I think I've just gotten used to the fact that people are listening to me, and I'm talking about what I want to talk about, not what, not necessarily what they want to hear, but if I'm talking about what I want to talk about, I'm happy. Mm. And I think that I can't really mess up in what I'm talking about. Um, or about anything that I'm talking about. Um, and I was also going to say, in terms of high school, I was thinking about something else. You know when, like, no one puts their hand up and the teacher says, all right, I'm just going to select someone to give me the answer. Do you I feel think, that in, your, no, in yourself? No, but I think, that I think I am proud of all teachers for doing that. And do you know why? No, please enlighten me. Because <laughs> you look to be so, like, I'm very shocked. ready to be enlightened. I think, I think teachers actually giving people... People should be surprised of what they know. If you're in a classroom and you don't think you know the answer, the amount of times that I've just said something random when a teacher's pointed to me and it's been correct, just because like either my subconscious or myself, I just know it. I'm just like, yeah, but I'm not going to put my hand up or I don't think this is the correct answer. I'm not going to say it. You say it and you fail. You're learning from those experiences. 
it's not like you know a teacher's choosing you to pick on you they're choosing you to help you because if you you know if you if you're putting your hand up they're training you for later in life mm-hmm. like there are certain situations when you're an adult where you have to make decisions or give answers to specific like even in university right now like i fail all the time not in terms of grades but i still fail all the time like there'd be something that i'd say in like a report or when i'm going to a lecture and answering a question that they'll he'll usually the lecturer asks someone to put their hand up and there's like 200 people in the room so someone always does but that odd chance that he picks someone that person is so afraid to speak because they think they're going to get the answer wrong that it's like put your hand up and say something no one's gonna Mm. especially in that environment where you're all adults and you automatically know what learning means i don't think anyone's gonna laugh at you just because you've got an answer wrong because the teacher picked you because you should expect that person to get that answer wrong if they don't have their hand up that's the point Mm. and i think that it's automatically people are kind of ashamed if they get an answer wrong. And that's but not kind of... I think if you're a good teacher, you know, like you, you've probably been trained for it, but I think you know that unless they get it like extremely wrong, right? Like yeah. if, if they're like in the ballpark or even if they get it extremely wrong, you, you sort of tell them they're right anyway. Or like you sort of explain to them that... Like you were that, very that close. courage, that courage. And like they... Like, because original thought is something that people are afraid of, right? Mm, yep, because definitely. at this point, science, as I mentioned, has proven a lot of things, and there it seems and it as ruins though, a lot of things. It too. seems there's like one answer for everything, right? Yes. Yeah. So the moment you, even if you like, compl- like you just you miss the mark, you just completely miss the mark. Because somebody was, I heard this. Somebody was making this argument that somebody who spells cat, K A T. And somebody who spells cat X, Y, Z are both incorrect. Even though the person who was slightly, basically on the mark is basically criticized as much because they're both wrong, right? Because there's only one right way. Yes, to do so. And like this whole idea of like, you can't even be slightly off the mark because you'll be incorrect has just made it even harder to fail because it's like... But then it's like, then it's, it's like there's always those teachers that say there's not one right answer. That there's always multiple answers for the same thing. Unless you're doing like, I don't know, history or something or some like liberal arts but even, degree. Even, even, even history or liberal arts, they're going to be like, oh, what year did this happen? If you say one year ahead of that, it's not correct. And there's still, there's an exam at the end, even in liberal arts, <laughs> yeah. which means there has to be some sort there of right answer. There has to be a right answer. answer because there is a right answer to everything. I think the level on which an answer is accepted is if whether or not you put enough detail into that answer which is kind of what I think high school prepares you for anyway like have you put enough I remember when I was taking this is a side note when I was taking biology I remember I'd get the answer correct but I wouldn't put enough detail in it so I wouldn't get full marks and I think that's much the same as you know there's not all right answers are the right answer I think that there is a level of uh, how much depth you put into a response that you give, like even in conversations, like one of our one of our responses to each other, like your response to me may not be what I consider the right answer from my perspective, mm-hmm. because either you haven't put enough depth into it, or you've literally given me completely the wrong topic, like it's a completely different discipline you're talking about, and I've got no clue what you're talking about. So I, as the teacher, say, no, nah, he's got it all wrong, or yep, he's kind of on the money, but I would like more info on this. Yeah. yeah, and I think liberal arts degrees, or oh, and subjects in particular, are just good because 
they allow for original thoughts and different perspectives because yeah. you could look at like if you're making a someone in the future is going to be writing a um essay on covid it's going to be a thing oh, right? it's going to be i've written one it'll I've, be i've done it already <laughs> but like even in history classes oh, like, history, COVID will, it'll be yeah. a historical moment yes, right it will be. someone who sort of sees life in a positive manner and has you know sees a silver lining things yeah will write an essay talking about the benefits of how the environment has benefited you know carbon emissions have was like have been reduced well, they have been that's, but I can see that. I think way. the connotation to COVID will be that it was an, an evil, right? It was, yeah. and the fact that what you've is... taken, you've taken the the boldness and the risk to write it in a positive light is something that needs to be rewarded, you know. Yeah, and then then there's the then there's the judgment that stems from that. Like, you, how dare you write about something so evil in a positive manner? Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Especially if you watch the news, that's the, same as the only way the only way you can think about COVID is in a fearful manner. That's just, that's the same as like all diabolical leaders of the world, like say like Trump, Hitler, Stalin, you know, Kim Jong Un. Like they've mm-hmm. all got obviously they've all got their negative sides. Definitely some of the middle ones that I said there, but history is they've done something really good for that country. Or like, you know, like they were a great leader. Like they had great public speaking, but obviously they did terrible things. And whether or not, you know, there's, you see those history reports of like, I've said to someone, I've said to someone before, and this is really bold me saying this, like Hitler was a terrible person, but he was a great public speaker. He knew, he knew how to get an audience. Oh, he you knew. can't take it away from exactly. me. Exactly. But people would yell at me for saying that, how dare you say he's a brilliant public speaker? He was a horrible human being. I understand he was a terrible human being. What he did was terrible. But you can't take away the fact that he was, you know, great. Same with Trump. Like, people think, oh, you know, he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's done wonders for America's economy. He, he, he has actually helped them in terms of economy. With probably social aspect, he's probably not so good. Like, we, that's already been... That's in the news. You can look at the proof oh. of that in the news and you're like, yeah, no. When but, it comes to actual economy and, you know, the business side of it, he understands everything. And there's always going to be... A negative and a positive to any situation and i think you kind of have to look at both and people that only look at one are kind of naive but yeah I th- you know i don't think i don't want to talk about politics too much but i think it's a good example of fear of failing well yeah i don't want to talk about politics when either, you put yourself just... on a public stage like the president or the prime minister you know the country's pretty much divided half half anyway so you you know you're you're going to be judged by half the country oh absolutely that is that, yeah. that must be a tough thing to overcome oh it has to be to, to even become like that to become a leader you you have to know that but even imagine people sp- are going to judge you imagine speaking <laughs> to an to entire country you're speaking to an entire country like i oh, know you just got wheezy thinking about that didn't you the pressure must be insane like like imagine like obviously you'd have to be passionate about what you're doing to speak to an entire country or, like, completely out of your mind. I don't know. Whichever one suits you, I guess. But imagine, like, Trump or Obama or even, you know, ScoMo talking about anything to, like, this entire group of people. Like, that. this is public speaking. I'm not talking about politics right now because I don't want to talk about politics. That was just a side note in terms of, you know... It was just an easy example everyone can relate exactly, to. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that you've got... That's, that's, kind of, that's kind of the thing. Like, why... Why ever get into a role if you're afraid of, afraid of public speaking? Why? Because you know they've obviously pushed themselves and they want to help 
the country that they live in. I think that's something about pride in that too, I guess. But there was also another topic. But just on that, do you think... Well, clearly you could never be a politician if you can't public speak and you can't overcome that fear. But see, I'm able to public speak, but I would never become a politician because I'm not interested in politics. Well, I am, but I'm not... I would never get... I'd never get into politics that way. But can you succeed because this is sort of entrepreneurship again can you can you succeed in something you love if you're not willing to be in the public eye because you you can't really be a famous artist if you're never in the public eye it's sort of a whole idea of your worth is measured by i've got how a, many people know you i how have many people know of i you. have got a perfect example sia sia was what Massively famous singer. She's I believe she's Australian. I can't remember. Pretty sure she is. Doesn't has I think she's shown her face at one event in like eight years. She's incredibly famous. She's on hit tracks all around the world. Like even, you know, Latino music and you know, you've got Spanish music, which is roughly the same. But hey, there's there's so many she's she's hit so many markets and she's she hasn't shown her face. There's a girl playing her. Everywhere she goes, that's dancing in the music videos, everything like that. But then you could argue that she's made it and she's successful, but she's not like taking ownership of that. She's not herself. Like, could you, it's basically like living a double life. It's like a Hannah Montana situation. She's she's shown up to interviews, but she doesn't show her face. She's got the hair that covers her face that comes down over her eyes. So she only shows her nose and below. But would you ever want to live a life like that where you have to just. Because you know when she's with her friends, she's not Sia. She's no. somebody else. She's probably, I don't know. Well, she could be Sia. Whatever her that's name her, is. That's her forever personality. <laughs> it's just Sia. But I think I'd never want to live like that. But that's up to her, I guess. I guess mm. she would. It's the whole thing about choices. And whether or not... And you ready for this segue? <laughs> Go for it. Conforming. Okay. Oh, okay. Conforming. Because we, we, we did have a conversation about this. I think we have kind of touched on it a little bit. But... Uh, people conforming to dress uh, codes, you know, everywhere. Like schools, people conforming to school dress codes. I think that's, it's kind of an exception. But whether what, what makes you cool, what makes you not cool, and how you speak to each other, and the ideas that you give to each other, whether or not they conform to society's expectations of you or society's expectations as a whole of what people should think. Because I think even if you look... When you're walking through the city, you'll notice that most people, even myself included, wear primarily grayscale clothing. Yeah. And that way you just sort of blend in. There's mm. there's no way. And there's the whole idea of, you know, in the back of your mind that nobody actually cares what you're wearing. No. Everyone's so busy in their own lives. Yeah. But you just put this story in your head that like, ju- like that cripples you, that mm. people actually care what you wear and that you're not going to wear this yellow jumper because like that like wore last episode because even when i wore it to work one of the older gentlemen was like isn't that a little bit too bright and i was like you're wearing high vis that's kind of like the whole idea is because high vis is considered normal and is sort of conforming that even though it's extremely bright yeah it's normal whereas me wearing a yellow jumper because i felt like i don't know brightening up my you know, my surroundings through what I wear. Yeah. That's you're judged. a light. You're, judged, you're a light. You're a bright light. Exactly. 
Yeah, but I think I think that conforming to dress is kind of like, oh, I've got to have you know the latest sneakers. I've got to have you know latest hairstyles and. Although. This what we're talking about right now. This is this is all set by the market. This is like marketing. This is we marketing. talked about last episode. This is because think about it. What is considered normal is what is shown to us on television. Yep, exactly. How we were brought up as well. I think parents, grandparents. Need to take a moment. My, my God. Because I think now that it's weird. Because now that I think about it, like I've started wearing more, more colors recently. Because I, I don't know, the bright light in my day, like I said. Also, excuse my <laughs> croaky voice, I'm a little bit sore. It's not COVID, got tested. <laughs> but uh, it is Gotta, a bit, gotta it, let the audience know. It's a little that. bit oh, you know, just Because yeah. look, these people are close to us, they might exactly. be concerned. It's not COVID, so it's, it's not. Yeah. But it is a little, little bit croaky. And it's like mulling my words a bit. But, yeah. but I don't use social media, like, I don't really haven't used it in the last four or five months. And I don't watch the news. And ever since I stopped, particularly social media, I haven't been afraid to wear as much colors. And I think it's because I haven't been seeing what is considered normal that I'm sort of come to the point where I'm actually doing what I want purely from what I feel comfortable with, not not with what I think other people are comfortable with. Mm, yeah, I think I think that I kind of got it into my head that I, I wear a lot of the same clothes, like you'd notice that I wear like jeans, usually the same jeans and like the same shirt or same jumper. I think it's just because I feel comfortable in those clothes. And like, I have definitely other ways of expressing myself. Like, especially, especially like, you know, I'm, I enjoy public speaking. Like I'm not afraid of speaking to other people. Definitely, definitely not. Like I have conversations with strangers all the time, which obviously stranger danger, you're not supposed to, (laughs) but I do. Um, And I think that there's a, I, I don't necessarily think that I can form, even though socially people would say that I do. And I, you know, I don't conform to the way that I speak. Like, obviously, I've said stuff that's probably people wouldn't agree with. And I'm sure you've said stuff that people wouldn't agree with either. Not necessarily at the same level, but we've all done that. And, you know, there was, there was probably a stage in our lives where we did conform at one point or another. Like, I think the, the, the ultimate rebellious ultimate rebellious is where you didn't wear your tie to school like sure that's like completely not conforming right don't put your blazer on don't put your blazer on you know yeah but the thing is i i just did it because i didn't find it comfortable right yeah like i didn't do it to be like tell it to the man i just did it because the blazer wasn't comfortable exactly like i wore my tie religiously because i found it comfortable see strangely enough weirdly i feel way more comfortable in a suit now like in a blazer and tie than i did before whether or not that's an age thing, I don't know. But I feel like I'm a lot more comfortable as well coming out of um, high school. I think I'm a lot more confident than I was. I think that's, again, that's probably just an age thing in that, you know, you've kind of learnt your lessons of like, oh, like I failed a lot, but I've learned a lot too. Um, you know, that kind of conforming aspect is, it's, but- it, it's different to how I think, I thought that after high school would be in that, you know, you I think in university and outside of university i think you're a lot more different than you have been in the past and that your ideas are becoming more different the way you dress is definitely becoming more different like you're becoming more you're becoming older you know you have older friends older family um and i think you can like my mum is a nurse and i can have a lot more in-depth discussions with her than i could in 
high school just because now I know more. Although on that topic, you, I can I think it's fair to agree that we're both quite playful and quite childish. Oh, I'm so playful. Yeah, <laughs> you know we, we yeah, laugh yeah. a lot. We especially when we're in the store, we're not afraid to you know muck around a little we, bit. We in a in a respectful non. So um, before before recording this, um, I got here about an hour and a half ago, and all we've done is probably procrastinate without the mic on but the discussions that we've had my god oh even just like the songs we sang and the songs we sang the yeah. vocal exercises we performed yeah. um well, i'll see i might post those we'll see <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see but 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 on that i think as you mentioned as we get older and i think as people get older uh because of those stigmas that you know an adult is an adult and a child is a child Adults tend to be a little bit less, uh, they just tend to seem more, especially in public, in the public eye, they seem to be mm. more uptight and they don't smile as much. And I think as, you know, as, a, as someone who does smile quite a lot, you feel like maybe people think of you like a man child yeah. and a man child for some strange reason has a negative connotation, connotation. to it. It's yeah. like, because you're a man and because you're older, you're not supposed to be laughing and making hum- like edgy jokes and humorous see, see i would call myself uptight sometimes like i can definitely be uptight and i know people talk- know what i'm talking about but then there's that completely other side of me where i'm like you you can both be responsible and playful at the same time there's no there is there's not a you know there's not necessarily a barrier there that stops you from being both like there's there's saying. times we're not, we're not like, going around breaking windows and stuff which is responsibly having <laughs> a, called, having a laugh that's called crime it's not called being playful oh, okay but okay. Yeah, yeah 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 i agree but like would you like just unpacking that you said from time to time you can be uptight yeah where does that tightness come from does that come from the idea of being judged or no i think that's like depending on what mood i'm in like whether or not like i'm in a bad mood or a good mood and yeah that happens to everybody not everyone can be in a good mood the entirety of their lives or the entirety of their day even like there's going to be a time in your day where you're like oh yeah like don't like this part of the day let's move on to the next part of the day and someone will tell you to do something it's just like no i can't i got to finish this or i've got to do that before i can do any of this and i think that that's kind of responsibility that's not you being uptight i think up uptightedness i don't even know if that's a real word to be honest sounds like it um that's that's more so you being responsible because you know you have to do something first and then people laugh at you for being responsible, like, responsible. But you're like, no, I'm an adult. Like I deserve to be responsible and have fun at the same time. I think that's what I do with my job too. Like I'm responsible. I do all my work, but I still talk. I still joke around. Like I do all that stuff. And I think that people that, as you were saying before, like there's being comfortable in your own skin and not having to worry about, you know, conforming to anything. I think that's, I think that's something that you learn with time. Although paradoxically to that, and being comfortable with yourself, we and did. expressing yourself... We did have this discussion, I'm excited for this. Go on. Yeah, I brought it to your attention. You uh, yes. I found Scandinavia quite quite fascinating, because like I said, I am quite find happiness quite a interesting topic, and one that needs to be explored by a lot of people, I think. Yeah. And Scandinavia continues to rank top five, top seven in the happiness charts since 2012 when happiness really started being measured. But interestingly enough, they're one of the most conformist countries in the world. 
because um, not sure if you've heard this, but the whole idea of the Yante Law. The Yante Law is kind of like the Ten Commandments that really all Scandinavians hold quite closely, which in summary basically say you are not to be anything different. You are meant to you are like everybody else. Do not yeah. stand out. You're not special. Do not you're not special. Yeah. So the idea is and if you look at images and like and like stories from people in Scandinavia, they'll tell you everybody wears grayscale or beige. Grayscale or beige. Yeah. Everybody quite literally looks the same. And especially with a population of five million, they are actually quite um they're quite the same race. Okay. Yeah. Like they're they're pretty much all blonde haired, blue eyed white people, right? Yeah, they look so very like, much the same. And but. they all dress the same. And yeah. no one stands out. Because, like, the Yante law is quite... It's held to a, you know, a social... Very high st- regard. High, yeah. high standard, like, in the um, in society. And in saying that, they're strangely the happiest people, right? They don't conform. <laughs> I mean, they do conform, like, to the highest possible standard. But they're also happiest. Yeah. Yeah. And I... So, like... What's this strange paradox? Does conformism equal happiness? Did Can you really be happy if you are conforming? Is, is it because everybody... I'm just having this thought now, actually. Is it because everybody is the same that there's no longer a fear of being judged? And that because you're no longer living in that fear of judgment, that you're actually very content with, with yourself and happy? That makes so much sense. And living in a society where, especially now in 2020, where you're sort of told to be different, you're told that you're you're special and unique, that What's because that? everybody thinks that they're special and unique... Why does that sound like a makeup ad? <laughs> <laughs> that you just fear being judged because you think you're so different because you've been told your entire life, especially the first five years is extremely formative. Oh, yeah, and like absolutely. parents now, they're very, very sort of... It's where you learn the majority of your information. Like, exactly. You know, it shapes you quite, quite strong. Like if you go to, if you really have to sort of change yourself, you really have to go to psycho- like to a psychologist to like your work first, out what happened in those first five years and change that. Like your first, your first, I think it's 20 years are the most like informative. It's the most informative time of your life. Like you're learning everything. Like... And I'm 20, I'm obviously still learning stuff, but I think I learned the majority of what I... Well, not what I know, but what is expected of me in my first 18 years, whether or not that be socially, with friends, you know, academic-wise. I think that's something that... I'm not sure how it works in Scandinavia. Obviously, you're probably more familiar with it than I am since you brought it up to me. But in terms of... How do you think in terms of how Scandinavia... Like either approaches like academic or anything like that. Like, are there people are expected to take the same classes? Like, they're expected to know the same things, or is it that like that level kind of oh, conformity? Or Scandinavia is very. You go to school, you take a gap year, you go to college, you finish college, you do a masters. Especially education in Scandinavia and Europe in general is very cheap, so yes. everyone does yeah. masters. Yeah. You do a masters, you get a job, you get married by thirty, you have kids by thirty two. You stick in the job and you grow up. Like it is, it is very unentrepreneurial. Very, yeah, yeah. But they're the happiest. And in our society, like I'm entrepreneurial, and I've like I mentioned at this stage in my life, I'm actually quite, quite happy and quite um, content being working for somebody else. Yeah. 
and I find myself falling into this into this sort of framework that maybe a Scandinavian would, but also being happier because of it. So is this idea of because I see I feel I feel like there's times where you need to conform and times that you don't though. I think that I think the way that they probably perceive it is that like these people are also happy. Like, shouldn't I be doing what they're doing? Or should I be doing what this person's doing? Like, you see someone on, like... Obviously, you don't use social media a lot. I use it a little bit. Um, but in terms of, you know, why... You know, is this this person's doing this. Should I go out and do that? Should I conform to what they do? Because, obviously, they look really happy. Like, you know, I, I enjoy what that person's doing. I'm going to go do it as well. Maybe that's their point of view in that you can have... You can be happy because you know that the people that are also doing it with you are being happy. Like there's that there's that notion that you you're conforming, but you know that everyone around you is also happy and they're doing the exact same thing. So no one's really different. It's that again, you don't really fear too much because you know that no one's really gonna be judging you for what you're doing because everyone's doing the exact same thing. Like it's the exact same thing in like, you know, I'm guessing that, you know, in any particular sport, like I don't think sports people really judge each other too much just because they're, they're all practicing the exact same thing. They know exactly what each other's doing. It's whether or not you can anticipate what the other person's doing first. Um, and that's kind of like the, I guess the ultimate point uh, is that, you know, you can have people conforming to do something, but you're always gonna you're always gonna know that you can either conform or not conform and it's your choice. I guess. Scandinavia I think is just the an exception that the proves rule. the rule. An exception that proves the rule. Yeah. That's that's, that's I also, the thing. I think also from reading about it, they're also quite minimalistic. Yeah. Um which means obviously they're not working from fear because they're not in debt most of the time, yeah. apart from their homes. Yeah, true. But, because I think, when you, I don't know, there's actually a lot to unpack. There is. This has brought new perspective to my whole analysis of Scandinavia and taking risks. We can have, well, I think, I think everyone needs to take risks. And obviously we've said that. I think I've repeated myself probably three or four times, but I think I'm just trying to get the point across that it's, it. One, it's okay to fail. Two, you can do whatever you want. You can conform or not conform. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Failing helps you learn. It does. Don't be scared to fail. And obviously listening to me is going to be like, right, from now at this point onwards, I'm not going to be scared to fail. I'm not going to be scared to do anything. I'm scared to do stuff still. Like, I'm sure you're scared to do stuff still. Like, that's it's human nature to be scared of things. But being, because being scared of things helps us survive. Like, Mm. that's entirely what fear is supposed to do it's supposed to say okay you do that you know that's a risk to you you know you're not supposed to do that but i think in doing that you're that's how we've evolved in that we took risks and we're like okay yes you know this is this is going to help us out in the future like why would we wade into the water like why would we go swimming there's no need for us to go swimming you know everything's here on land it's cold in the water we don't want to go in there but I think wading into deep water is one of the best analogies I can think of to say, like, you can wade into deep water, you're not going to know what's under you. And I know that there are certain people that have that fear of, you know, deep water and that what's under them is kind of really scary. But, you know, what's under you also has 
I was going to say feelings, but that's probably not the right word. That what's under you is also, you know, alive. It has its own agenda. Like you have your own agenda. You can live to what you want to be rather than what other people want you to be. And that it's kind of conforming, but it's also your own thoughts and ideas. Okay, I just remembered this, by the way. Go on. I was still unpacking that whole Scandinavian thing in my head. <laughs> because, okay, we're talking about fear of, fear of being, fear of the public, fear of yeah, the public yeah. judgment. Because in Scandinavia, um, they don't really do jobs for the money aspect. Like here, people... People sign themselves to the devil. It's all about purely money. for money. Yeah, especially if you go money. into like the finance sector, it's one of those cutthroat, white co- white collar. Like you, you mess up, you know someone's coming to stab you in the back. There's no, no nothing friendly about it. Yeah, nothing yeah, friendly yeah. about it. And Scandinavians, if they enjoy being a graphic designer, they're happy to live because because they're minimalistic. They're happy to live on fifty, forty thousand dollars a year. Because A, they know that their government will support them if anything goes wrong. Like they have a really good social social sort of care system over there. Yeah. And they don't care about showing off because the Yante law doesn't allow them to show off. Yeah. So they do a job that they actually love, mm-hmm. not out of fear of yeah. what people are gonna think of them because they don't have the fancy cars, the fancy money. The fancy money. The fancy money. <laughs> <laughs> and this whole idea of taking a risk and doing entrepreneurship yeah if you're actually doing something you love even if you fail you're still gonna you're gonna become you're gonna be happy comfortable with what you're doing anyway where you are in life i guess but that's the whole that's the whole even as an entrepreneurial minded person i'm very comfortable changing jobs even mm. though i know i'm going to be starting back at the bottom the fear and like, you know, I don't like being in a job that I don't really enjoy. Like, I'm happy to do it from time to time. Hmm. But especially with the internet and being able to apply to jobs quite regularly, it's as long as you don't have that fear of paying off debt, you can really just take time to yourself to find what you enjoy. And I think that is sort of what sort of not living in fear is. No, uh, yeah. Well, uh, like, there's always going to be jobs. That made sense. There's always going to be jobs. There's always going to be jobs available there. Like, honestly, half the stuff that what you just said there, if that makes sense, that's how I felt the entire time because I'm just talking. Yeah. And I think it's coming out of my mouth weird, but that's okay. I mean, I understand it. I'm hoping that other people understand it. Um, and I've kind of just lost my train of thought again because I've sidetracked or sidestepped, whatever you want to call it. So I don't know what else you want to talk about, but we've kind of, we've kind of gone over like people conforming and, you know, fear of failing versus fear of public judgment, which I think those work hand in hand, but the, the but even, even that, applies. even just, I think just fear in general, because back to you talking about going into the cold water, people fear it because we play these and it's also coming back to the idea of being in the present moment. Like, we do things out of fear because we're afraid what's going to happen in the future. Like, when we go into a cold ocean, we're not afraid what's going to happen to us at that moment. Like, we know we might get cold, but that's, like, that's the extent of it, That's what happens afterwards. It's the fact that you're thinking, okay, society has told me because it's cold water, I'm going to come out, I'm going to get cold. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to have to take time off work. And yes, this may happen, and scientifically, you know, you probably likely are to get a cold. (laughs) Probably, yeah. But that's not a given. 
No. And the fear of it most likely will actually make you sick yep. because I, because like, coincidentally, the only time I really listened because most of my COVID news comes from friends and family. Like I don't listen to the, I don't read in much about it. Like I don't want to. Yeah. The one time I got sick was kind of a day after I listened to the news, and like the whole idea of because you know the placebos. Yeah. Like there've been studies on placebos like quite a lot. And it's called it's hysteria. Hysteria. Yes. It's where you, there's, there's cases of like mimicking symptoms because your, your body or you're afraid of like what's happening. Like you freak out and you're like, or your body starts to get a rash or you start to get a cold or a sniffle. And usually, you know, there's obviously, you know, different chemicals in the air that you sniff and you're like, oh, I've got to sneeze that out. Mm. It's the point of that. Your body's trying to get rid of something that it doesn't detect or, well, not doesn't detect, doesn't recognize. Um, and I think that that's kind of on that note, you have you getting sick in that moment is probably because you're like, oh, okay, I don't want to get COVID. I'm not necessarily scared of it, but your body goes, oh, okay, this is what it's going to feel like. But it's like getting into that negative cycle again because you're fearing it. Even if you don't have any symptoms, the placebo of it, like your mind is quite a powerful thing. It'll, it'll make you think that you're sick even though you're not. Yeah. And then... Yeah. And, it just ruins, like, it just, the whole idea of fear putting into this negative cycle is what we're trying to say. As long as you can, like, live in the present moment and, like, disregard fear and disregard the thought of other people, yeah. you'll live a much happier life, I think. Yeah. And oh, you'll absolutely. live your life, not the life that other people want you to live. Yeah. That so, makes yeah. sense to me. I think we, I think <laughs> we came to a conclusion. We did, we did come to a conclusion. But, but we're, you know... If it, we have, I think we rambled on a little bit, but if anyone got our point, <laughs> it's kind There's of... There's definitely more to unpack here. So, you know, pour, like after you finish listening to this, take some time. Think about it. Unpack it. Understand what it means in your own life. This is what it means in our own personal lives. Um, but I think this it ep- could... It, it'll apply to you somehow, I think. And I think this episode will probably be a bit shorter. Uh, oh, it's just right. because... You know, we we're just trying to stay to one particular topic. So now that this topic sort of, I think we're both comfortable with saying it's come to some sort of conclusion. It conclusion. has, it has. Yeah. It's come to an end a little bit. It's definitely um, a topic you can continue to talk about, but I think yeah. we'll let the that thinking up to you. Talk to your parents. Yeah. Talk. To continue you. the conversation afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe maybe look at your phone and understand. Think about research. Is it actually? Research is that why you're doing things that you might not be wanting to do because yeah. of fear? Fear's, fear's you know, automatic. Thing. I don't fear things, obviously. You fear things. Like you said, it's a natural thing. It's a, for survival. You can't. But is that survival keeping us I think people like people everybody kind of, else? But that's that, another thing. Side note, we're not finished just yet. Don't. <laughs> surprise. In terms, surprise. <laughs> In terms of like, you know, uh, stuntmen, everything like that. You know, obviously they're afraid adrenaline of... Adrenaline junkies. Exactly. Adrenaline junkies. Like, they can't be afraid of that kind of stuff just because I think they've got it past their head that I can't be afraid of this because I'm doing what I love to do. Like, people love that adrenaline surge. Because there's that one guy. He's, he work, He's like, sponsored by North Face. He does all those free climbing. Yeah. yeah. And he climbs those ridiculously insane... Cliffs. Cliffs, right? Yeah. He's said it before that... He has to be present in the moment because the moment he thinks about what could happen next, 
and the fear that that the fear of that next step being him falling off the cliff yeah is going to cripple him in the present moment and likely make him fall off the cliff yeah so he's basically climbing this mountain this cliff in a meditative state in a state where he's present in that moment otherwise he will likely die i think from fear i think being present in the moment is not necessarily like you can envision yourself falling Right, but I think being present, you do have to worry about the consequences, but you need to realize that those consequences aren't worth as much as what you're about to accomplish. Like, you have you have the fear of what could happen, but that fear should drive you, not push you away, because well, the, that that's the point. The point of the point of evolving to a certain standpoint is that you have to push past that fear because you know you know this consequence is coming. Like I guarantee you, even in that present moment, he's thinking about what could happen. He's like, okay. I think he's thinking about where does he put his fingers next? Ex- exactly. But there- because he's aware of the, the the dangers, but he's not fearing the dangers. But you have There's to- a difference between awareness and fearness. Actually, that's probably better than was about what I was about to say in terms of being aware of what could happen but not fearing what could happen. I think that's that's very important because you should know, like when you say something, you should know the consequences of what you're about to say, but you shouldn't be afraid to say it. Mm-hmm. I think that's different. Now that's the ultimate conclusion that I just thought of. I think so. Because even with the podcast, we're aware of what we're saying, Yeah, but, but we're, we're not fearing we're not re- the judgment. We're not really afraid of what... You know, we're aware that we'll, we'll we might be judged, but not afraid of it. Exactly. And I think, yeah. That's a good point. I think that's... That's the end. We've finished. Thank you for listening to episode two. Hopefully it'll be out soon. <laughs> I'll make a post on Instagram shortly. When you're listening to it, it will be out. So <laughs> <laughs> That's true. When you when you are listening to this, I feel like I feel like this is also the end of it, so it's kind of be pointless saying this. But I will make an Instagram post about it soon. And hopefully it'll be up shortly. Uh, so we thank you all for listening. Please make sure you give us any feedback on our Instagram. Uh, if you know me, message me personally. If you don't, message me via our the Jacob and Seb podcast Instagram or at our email the Jacob and Seb podcast at gmail.com uh, so thanks once again I'll see you next time cheers